This morning, brothers and sisters, I may focus your attention particularly on verse 13 of the passage that we read together. Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As you notice, there's a footnote there where it says in the original, through Him who strengthens me, or actually literally through the One who strengthens me. And then some, of course, see there inferred very clearly that this is Christ. So, that is our text, verse, four, verse 13 of chapter 4. In response, we will be singing from hymn 71, stanzas 1 and 2, both stanzas of hymn 71. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this time of year, brothers and sisters, can be very hectic for many. The children are busy in school again. The students have their study assignments and tests. The parents juggle their time between work and church activities and school functions. The office bearers have resumed their busy schedule of visits, etc., etc. With enthusiasm and good intentions, I'm sure, we have returned to our regular tasks following the summer months, which were of a somewhat different pace. We resumed our regular schedules and activities, optimistic about possibilities, thankful for the opportunities, eager to carry out our various callings. Indeed, glad and thankful that we are and that we may be involved in the service of God, seeking His kingdom and building His church at this place. Or are we? Doesn't it seem overwhelming, too, at times? Where do we find the time for it all? How are we going to do it? Where do we get the strength for the various tasks and callings? I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. That sounds easier said than done. Maybe Paul could say so, but that's certainly not me. That's too optimistic in my case. With the size of my family, or with the illness in my life, or with the tensions in my relationship, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. I wish. Still, beloved, that's how the apostle puts it. How could he do so? What did he mean to say? How does his apostolic comment help us, encourage us today in the midst of such a busy season or amidst, amidst so much concern and brokenness? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to learn this morning. As we hear God's words, Paul 
testifies of his Christian contentment in his service to God. First of all, as servant of Christ. Secondly, in communion with Christ. And thirdly, with the power of Christ. Paul testifies of his Christian contentment in his service to God. As servant of Christ, in communion with Christ, with the power of Christ. So, first of all, Christian contentment for the servant of Christ. From this letter to the Philippians brothers and sisters, we clearly sense the special bond there is between the Apostle Paul and the congregation at Philippi. And that's probably so because of the fact that Philippi was the first congregation on the European continent, as you can read about in Acts chapter 16. Then there continued to be many contacts and interactions between the congregation and the Apostle. Yes, in every way, the relationship flourished and was cause for much joy. Indeed, these feelings were mutual, as also appears from our Scripture passage. For the Philippians, Paul had a special place in his heart, and his well-being was of special concern to them. At least, when they found out that Paul had ended up in prison, they immediately sent out one of them, Epaphroditus, to bring him some supplies and give him some comfort and encouragement. Of course, Paul is happy with this show of affection, and he appreciates the supplies, only it seems as if Paul has a problem with it as well. What's Paul's problem? beloved? Well, Paul wants to convey to these Philippians that he hadn't really been stuck or in need of these supplies. It's not as if he had been waiting for their support. That may not sound too kind at first hearing, Yet, brothers and sisters, Paul doesn't mean this in a negative way. Rather, he wants to make the Philippians aware of his overall state of mind. As he has done in the entire letter, Paul wants to encourage them in their circumstances, and for this encouragement, he wants to hold up his own approach, his own experiences and his own way of dealing with the circumstances. That's why he testifies of his contentment to them. He wants to show them that as child of God, as servant of Christ, he is always content. As he had said earlier, rejoice in the Lord always, so he expresses a similar sentiment here. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I'm content, whatever my circumstances, the apostle testifies. Now, the word he uses literally means that he is self-sufficient, satisfied. 
To us that might come across as somewhat complacent, even arrogant perhaps, yet for Paul it means that whatever he receives in whatever his circumstances is sufficient for himself. The circumstances do not determine his happiness and well-being. The circumstances don't control my life, my joy, and my peace of mind. Now, Paul doesn't mean this in the way the Stoics practiced their self-sufficiency in their life. They stood above the fray, above the ups and downs of life, remaining untouched and unmoved by them. They just detached themselves from riches or poverty, from health or sickness, living as they did in their ivory tower, and concerned only with the higher aspects of life. No, that's not the way Paul means it at all. Paul knows about poverty and riches. He experienced the comforts of prosperity while at other times he lacked the basic necessities of life. Paul certainly was familiar existentially and experientially with illness, pain, hunger, and the like. He was stoned, scorched, imprisoned, deprived of food and drink at sea and shipwrecked. These were the circumstances and in the midst of them, he was content. So why does Paul mention this, beloved? And why does he share this with the Philippians and with us in his epistle? What's he speaking about? He's speaking about plenty and poverty, about hunger and satisfaction in his life of service. It's his service to God that's central in his epistle. Right away in this epistle, Paul shares with them his imprisonment, which turned out as an opportunity for the furtherance of the gospel, including witnessing into the palace guards and those of Caesar's household. Such things brought joy to his heart and thanks to his lips. Paul was assured in himself, he writes, that Christ would continue to be glorified by him either in continuing work or even by his death. That's what Paul shares with his readers to show that the service of God continues, whatever the circumstances, and that God meets all his needs in these circumstances. Now, how is that with us, beloved, with you and me? Can we speak that way too? How do we take it when we are humbled? How do we cope in the midst of troubles? Can we stay content whatever the circumstances? Is there not despair instead, or anger, or bitterness, or resentment? 
And how is that when things are going well, when everything works out and we can handle the load? Are we then content, irrespective of the circumstances, living close to God in every situation? Are you then inclined, perhaps, to think, oh, sure, that's Paul for you. He had such a great faith, such a strong faith. That's not how it is, though. Paul was just like you and me. A man who was imperfect, weak, and who even had a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Take note of the fact that Paul puts it this way. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Paul has learned it in the circumstances into which God brought him. God trained him and made him realize also and especially through this thorn in the flesh that his grace was sufficient for him. Paul struggled in those circumstances, and he prayed for a change in situation. Yet God made him aware of his care always, of his nearness as a father. Nothing could separate him from that love of God because it was there for him in Christ Jesus, his Lord. That's what it was, beloved. Paul knew himself a servant of Jesus Christ. He purchased him with his precious blood. He cared for him so that not a hair could fall from his head without the will of his heavenly Father. That's how the people of Christ may stand in this world in the midst of their circumstances. They may know that whatever the circumstances, more important is the fact that I am in the Father's hands, that Christ will take care of me and help me. Thus Paul learned from experience not to look at poverty or riches, on hunger or plenty, but to look on his service, content and confident God would fill his needs. He didn't depend on the situation, not on the support of the Philippians either for that matter. He was content with the promises and provisions of the Lord in his circumstances. Indeed, then we too should first of all realize that it is God who places us in the situation. Then we have to see our place in the circumstances, first of all, as a calling from the Lord, realizing that Christ has put us there. Well, as people who belong to Christ with body and soul in life and in death, we confess and testify also that our life is in God's hand. The Father knows our circumstances and needs, our gifts and our weaknesses. Christ gives us a place and calling in the midst of His people and in this world in which His kingdom is coming. 
The Holy Spirit makes us heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. That's what matters when we are busy in this new season of congregational life. And how can we do it? Well, that's our second point, Christian contentment in communion with Christ. Indeed, beloved, that's still the question that may be lingering in our minds. How could Paul live that way? Well, Paul says, I can do everything in him who gives me strength. Notice that I've translated Paul's words literally, in him, in the one who gives me strength. Hence, we should not right away jump to the fact that our strength is from Christ. We should see, first of all, that we have this contentment in a life that is lived in communion with Him. For our life in His service, there has to be an intimate bond with Christ, first of all. In a living communion with Him, we seek Him every day. We walk with Him. And we ask again and again, what does Christ want me to do in my circumstances, in the midst of my situation with its challenges, its troubles, or with my successes and profits? You see, beloved, Paul's contentment is not a self-sufficiency in which he finds the motivation and stimulation, the confidence and trust in himself, but in Christ. He's conscious of the fact that he is an office-bearer of Christ. He knows that since he belongs to Christ and that he is an instrument in the hand of Christ in the place he is given, it's no longer he that lives, but Christ who is living in him. Of course, then, we need to maintain this com communion with Christ, first of all. We need to seek this communion every day in the way of prayer, in the way of listening to God, thinking of his word, listening to Christ. A life of service, therefore, without our daily devotions cannot flourish or succeed. A life of participation in any of the congregational activities without first seeking and practicing this communion with Christ, our head cannot blossom. We need to know Christ, know Him intimately, personally. In the midst of the circumstances, we are to live with Him and He in us. We are to love Him and live for Him. That's Paul's secret, beloved. That's how he experienced the power of his love, the joy of his nearness, the hope and the courage to continue. He spoke to Him and did all his work together with him. That's evident so much that he doesn't even need to mention actually that it is Christ in whom he finds his strength. Indeed, 
That's so beautiful about the life of Christians. You're never alone. You're always together with Christ. That is, if you live with Christ, walk with Him, listen to Him, and look up to Him. It also means that you do what He says and avoid things that are not helpful for your relationship with Him, for your service to Him. If you're involved in the congregation, serve in His kingdom and desire to be fruitful, but don't live by His will, your prayers will be useless. When we are active in the service of Christ, we should be assured that He is pleased by what He sees and hears, but how, by how we walk and talk. Earlier in our chapter, verse 8 and 9, Paul already articulated that. You have to apply all that you have learned from Him, Paul, heard from Christ, and know that to be good and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. You see, beloved, how we can learn about Christian contentment from our text? It's in a living communion with Christ that we learn this contentment. Every day we need to renew this communion. Every day we need to look upon our task as a servant of Christ, knowing that He will provide in our needs for the task He gives us in our circumstances. Then we can also help others focus on Christ, the way the apostle does in our text. I can do everything in Him who gives me strength. By His words, his promises, by all that He gives us. He draws us close to Himself, and then the communion with Him we can carry on. That's what binds us together as congregation of Christ too, what we have in Him. That's what we need to learn from our discussions in our study clubs, what He is doing in this world what He gives us to do in this world. Yes, what He wants us to do and what He is doing in us and with us. And it's no longer the circumstances that determine our life or our mood or the peace in our minds, but the fact that we are here for Him, with Him, and live in Him. And that will give you the boost, the strength to continue, whatever the circumstances. For Christian contentment in the third place is with the power of Christ. Then we hear Paul say in our text, beloved, I am strong in Him who continually makes me strong. So it's not so that Paul made himself strong stress-proof or so, or survival-safe, as a believer is supposed to be, according to some religious counselors, in the sense of, if only you believe and want what you want to do, you can do it. 
Now, Paul wasn't boasting either, saying to these Philippians, just look at me and see what I can do. What good would that do? All day and we could do in that case would be look at him from a distance, admire it perhaps, and that would be it. I mean, who are we? And what can we do? All it takes is a setback, an illness, a crisis at work, or we are defeated. No, Paul says, I can do everything in him who gives me strength. Christ gives me strength. Indeed, beloved, that's the beautiful thing in our life as Christians. To be a Christian is not just having a certain theory or philosophy, a certain worldview. It's having a tremendous power come into our life. In Christ, you have a new life. And that new life renders you a strength that exceeds your own weaknesses. In fact, as in Paul's case, God sometimes makes you weak, lets you become weak, takes away from you what could naturally be a source of strength to you, like your health, your energy, or your possessions. He does so to show you that the strength for your task, for your calling, your service, is not from you, but from your heavenly Father. The weaker you are sometimes, the more strongly the power of God manifests itself in your life. Indeed, your faith in Christ, beloved, you don't have to to make you feel good, or to make you feel good about yourself, as our society tries to make people feel good about themselves, about anything. No, by faith in Christ, we see His strength for any and all circumstances. His grace is sufficient for us in the most difficult circumstances. When I am weak, then I'm strong. When I think I cannot do it, I can't handle it, this illness of my husband, or this tension in my marriage, or this problem at work, then Christ says, in my power, you can do it. In answer upon your prayer, I'll give you the strength for it. And the power we receive doesn't make us do exceptional things the way the world wants to impress when people come across as strong. No, by Christ's power you are able to do what He calls you to do and be content with that. Whatever the circumstances, Christ strengthens you to be at peace and accept the circumstances and go forth in His might. His power is made perfect in our weakness, beloved. When I feel I can't go on any longer, Christ knows it and gives me strength to carry on. 
That's the confidence we may seek to the point that we become content with our life, including the frustrations, the, op the obstacles, the struggles of every day, and say, I can do everything in Him who gives me strength. He makes you a content and confident child of God who does not depend on the circumstances for his happiness, but on Christ. That's the faith which unites us too, which helps us encourage each other as well. The circumstances are different for each of us, but whether you are enjoying plenty or suffering weakness, together we share in this power of Christ we have in our communion with Christ. What a blessing that is, beloved, that we may share in this gospel during a busy season. Together, we are servants of Christ among the people of God, under the calling of Christ, and we may remind each other of the promises of Christ. What a riches we share when we encourage one another with the communion and power in Christ for the circumstances in which we find each other. In the cases of illness, chronic illness, terminal illness, in times of financial tension, business challenges, or trying circumstances, then to know nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's also the gospel the office bearers may bring into your homes. It's the counsel they may give in all and various circumstances. With this love, wisdom, and strength of Christ, we may upbuild one another. Christ has given us to each other. The way he bound the Apostle Paul together with this congregation in Philippi, and in him we receive the strength to serve our God together. Let us hear what the Spirit says to His church here in Owen Sound. For it is by His Spirit and words that Christ makes us partakers of such rich blessings and benefits. Amen.